Welcome oh my God. to Pomo. Wait, that's not what it's called. Welcome to Mumbo Jumbo. Promo. The promo for Mumbo Jumbo. For Please. Pomo. Oh. The, the promo for Mumbo Jumbo. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Welcome to uh, Promo. God damn. Uh, you this go is a, this is Okay, let's start with a commercial, okay? Okay, here we go. Do you like the weird and the surreal? Well, why don't you check out Babu 691, the official magazine of surrealism. Uh, two characters named Tex and Kurt, they weekly, monthly post a movie review. Uh, it is entitled Mumbo Jumbo. At the movies. At the movies. And this, you ladies and gentlemen, joys and boys and doos, this is a movies podcast. Mumbo Jumbo, a movies podcast. Uh-huh. A movies podcast. A movies podcast. This season, this we're season, doing all Nicolas Cage films. All Nicolas Cage films. Okay, okay, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Have you ever seen a Lost Skeleton of Cadavra? No. There's, it's a movie. It's like um, playing on the B sides, the the B B B B. You know what it is. I I I I remember this movie. Yeah, you know, like B movie. But there's this one joke that stuck with me for probably 20 years from that movie. Uh-huh. And they say, uh "Hey, is that N backpack?" <laughs> and backpack. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me. That that's so stupid. And there, uh, so that's what. A movies podcast does for me. A movies is that and backpack? Can we say um, and, and movies pack, podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mumbo jumbo and movies podcast. Okay, so hey, uh, what are we talking about today? We're talking about um, the ninth Nicolas Cage film ever made, uh, or the <laughs> sixth or seventh that we're talking about on this ten episode season of Down with the Nickness. The, seventh. Um, the surreal postmodern. Um, psychedelic films of Nicolas Cage. We're talking about Alex Prius's 2009 film Knowing. 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 Uh, did you see this when it came out? No. Um, I was like so uninterested in Nicolas Cage in 2009. Okay. I couldn't have been less interested. Except yeah. for the movie we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, the the yin to Knowing's yang. Um uh, bad lieutenant port called new orleans yeah uh where i was like i saw it and felt like an immediate kindred to nick cage again um but i i dropped off the cage train okay next week bad bad lieutenant port call new orleans where we will not have uh werner herzog on the pod <laughs> werner herzog <laughs> the, the man who blurbed tom's book um so when when did you see knowing uh, last week, for the first time. For the first time. Okay. Cool. Uh, I, and I and I watched it, and I immediately felt like um, hesitant that we would have an hour's worth of material to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I watched some other mo- movies in what what I would define as a uh, post blockbuster phase of Nicolas Cage's career, where he's still chasing that blockbuster. He's chasing that blockbuster yeah. high, but he's not hitting it anymore. So I no. watched. Uh, I also watched Next and Ghost Rider, which both came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I watched um, uh, 2010's The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Did you did you watch Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance or whatever? Or? No, I didn't. Mostly because it's not online for free. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I feel like... I also like uh, 
really wanted to watch Bangkok Dangerous, but I didn't have a uh, I didn't have the stars at premium add on on Hulu. Have you seen Bangkok Dangerous? Uh, when it came out, yeah. Can I can I can I sh- play an audio clip for you? Yeah, I'm gonna share my screen. Um, so just give me a second because I don't actually know how computers work. Okay. Um, uh, so this is from um, the time that Adam Pally and uh, Ben Schwartz guest hosted on a late night, the the CBS late night show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, it is like a massive train wreck. It is a wonderful um, piece of anti comedy because. Adam Pally is a comedian who does not give a fuck. Uh-huh. And Ben Schwartz plays his sidekick. And this is a sequence that I've probably now watched for consistently for five years. Cause this happened in like 2014, 2015. Uh, and um, it's very funny to me. I'm playing the audio through, so it should record. If it doesn't, please yell at me. Uh, and this is uh, Adam Pally's take on Bangkok dangerous. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Um, but I feel like that perfectly summarizes this, his, this era of his career. Yeah. Well, I would say there's, this is a, this is mild. He's mild in, in knowing. No, but the ideas are not mild. Yeah. This is like a batshit pitch. Right. And while Cage is a little bit more restrained as opposed to like next where he's like, I'm a magician and I'm fucking a 22 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is, this is yeah. like, he's restrained, but the movie is not restrained. The movie is out of control. The movie is out of control. I agree. I agree with you on that. There is sort of a, a moment like what you the clip you just played and what they're talking about um in knowing and i I, i'm i'm gonna try and play it real quick it's my it's my it's my favorite part in the whole movie it's uh his reaction to finding out that that so good it's so good the math the math leads to that that he found the (laughs) 9-11 date and number of dead in in the code and his reaction is uh, prime. Tell me if... Oh, we can't hear that. Hang on. Well, while Tom is fixing his audio, I think you have to go back to reshare screen and there's, like a, there's a select button. Um, I think my sound on my computer needs to be shared. That is why. Yes. Try it out. I'm going to try it out. Watch this. In the meantime, uh, the plot... Did you hear that? Bangkok. No, I didn't. Okay. The plot of knowing is that... Um, 
some girl in the 50s predicts basically all these like mass death disasters and uh, Nicolas Cage has to help um, solve them before the end times. Here it is. I got okay. it. Can you hear that? Yeah. Wait, Come on! Uh, this right here. Wait, the amount that I do that? Come on! Yeah, Come but, on. But, but, but do you do that after discovering that this math code you have found has like... Uh, pretty, is, pretty much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Oh I, my god, I got an accidental deposit of $2,400,000 in my bank account? Come on! Come on! Come We'd on. We'd have to pay that back probably. Come what on. What is this? Um, I say come yeah. on to myself probably more than anything else. Okay. That's come your phrase. On. That's your phrase. Come on. Well, it's like if I'm like the best is when I'm like I'm putting stuff away. Like I have a really tight closet. There's a lot of shit in that closet, right? Yeah. And if I like put one thing and another thing falls, I'm just like, come on. Yeah, I, I I refuse to say come on because uh, one once uh, I was in a Starbucks uh, drive-through and uh, I was ordering and this guy, you know, this yuppie dude behind me in a jacked-up truck, right? Uh, not a, not like a redneck, but like a very slick, suave-looking yuppie guy in a jacked-up truck. And I said, "Hold on, oh, just a second at the drive-through." Weekend, me... A weekend redneck, probably. Maybe, yeah, you know. Um, and, and I, I pulled up to the, the drive-thru and I was like, uh, hold on just one second. Let me, let me look at the menu. And he heard that behind me and went, come on. Uh. <laughs> and uh, that come on has always been my, that, that to me. And I'll, I'll never say it because of that guy. Well, you should start saying it specifically referencing that guy. Come on. Uh, you should say it when you're not put out at all. He was, he whined. Come on. Uh. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, um, okay. So first time watching this movie. Yeah. What did you think? Well, I thought the, the, um, the beginning. Mm-hmm. It felt like really prescient because it was like it felt like like a climate change film. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I guess on some level it, it is like um, spoiler alert. The world ends mm -hmm. uh, because of solar flares. Solar yeah. flares that heat up the. It's like it's like sort of a climate change um, film, but I don't think it like kind of nail. I don't think it nails that. No. Because it's like focusing on alien angels coming to take his children to put them on the ark and send them to a paradise planet. And it's so whenever it, this movie, I think would be so much better without that alien shit. Um, if it was just like a day after tomorrow and not like really trying to be dark city all over again. Well, okay. So then the, okay. So if you're listening to this and you haven't watched, uh, knowing then, you know, you're, you kind of screwing yourself here and just deal with it. But so then the, the alternate ending without having those alien angels would be that every single person on earth dies, including his children, which, including his which rules. 
you would have you would have liked that more. I liked the fact that you watched Nicolas Cage hug his nuclear family as they're burnt and to a, Chris. Yeah. Uh, by Boston being ravaged by a firebomb. And I, I, I do like that his children didn't die. Uh-huh. His child didn't die. Um, but the way that it, we got there. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I, 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 there's a part of me that really likes the alien angels because I'm always going to be a sucker for anything that takes like our religious Christian, you know, the religious and Christian mythologies about creation and life and death and angels and God and all that stuff and puts it in the perspective of aliens. I think the, the amount that that angers people, uh, but interests me because it makes it more believable to me like Prometheus. Yeah. Um, I did think that was kind of interesting. Yeah, but I, I think it's so unnecessary for this movie. It just it was it was it was two different movies. <laughs> it was. It really was. Have you have you seen The Forgotten? Yes. The Julianne Moore film? Yes. Where all, like her kid gets kidnapped, I think. Yeah. And no one remembers it? No, no, the kid dies in the in the, in the airplane accident and no one remembers. Yeah, and then like nothing nothing supernatural happens in that film till about 50 minutes in. Yeah. And then like something wild fucking happens. Yeah. And like it, like knowing didn't advertise around that. And yeah. And, and you shouldn't, right. You should have this like misdirection of like, we're not going to tell you about how weird this film gets. Right. Like some things deserve to be saved for the film. Sure. But with, with forgotten when that happened, it was like, that's what this movie is. Like, like you're literally like shaken up out of your seat. And when it happened in knowing because they like sort of hint at it throughout the film. It's not as the hints all detract from it. If all of a sudden at, at an hour and 45 minutes into this movie, a UFO showed up. Yeah. I would have been like, yup, I'm about it. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to like, there are these like weird benevolent alien creatures that like look creepy, but they're, they might be good chasing them the entire movie. It just like, it was it was, it didn't connect for me. I, I agree. I think, yeah, imagine if the whole movie goes on and he's trying to get them to that one location and when he gets them there, then that's when they come in. That would have ruled. Then, that would have been like, oh my God, is that what this whole thing was about this whole time, right? Whereas like, yeah, I think showing these creatures, showing these dudes and like having this thing and all that stuff, it got tired and boring. And when the end finally came, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. I just, I, I, I'm, a, I'm with you in that I think, yeah, I think that, and I think it should have been, you know, because you could take the, uh, I, I think it should have been an ending where everyone dies because I think it's, you could take it from that, that, um, you know, that perspective that you were talking about where it's a global warming movie and there is no fixing and turning back right and it's like it is a situation where everyone's gonna die you know well, it's like uh, we talk about the mist we talk about the mist right stephen king's the mist uh yeah. frank darabont's the mist yeah. because it's got this like grim as fuck ending right yeah and i feel like this could have been that as well like That's, alice Preuss isn't like this like happy-go-lucky i make happy films kind of filmmaker no. you know and the ending is kind of grim um but it just isn't the kind of it's like this really holiday holly hollywoodized grim and well oh yeah keep going no go please oh well i was gonna say i think this is the start of him trying to make more no no 
no, no. It was it was uh, iRobot was the start of him making because this came after iRobot, and then he made he didn't do anything for seven years, and then he made uh, Gods of Egypt. Ooh, yeah, his career's over. Probably, but it, um, yeah, it's it, no one's willing to take that risk. No, uh, and, and and the ending is a it, it is a risk, right? Like yeah. to watch Nick Cage hug his family and burn alive is a is a risk, huge risk. Um, but it's not risky enough because we still get that side of like, oh, and then they all sur- and then the children survive. Well, it's like we just I watched Next too, right? Which I feel like if, yeah. is the perfect pairing for the post blockbuster of knowing, right? And right. the ending of Next is that the nuke goes off and LA blows up, right? Yeah. I, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a premonition. And next he can, he can see into the future. Uh, it's a premonition and he basically sets out a plan to stop it. Um, Which is a risk, but it's a dumb one. Yeah. And I feel like this is just as dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I'm calling it this, like the post blockbuster phase. Like every movie I watched ghost rider next, knowing and fucking sorcerer's apprentice are all full on fucking dumb. <laughs> and yeah, like the, 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 what was the Nick Cage movie where we talked about how we, he knew it was dumb con air. He doesn't look like he knows these are dumb. <laughs> no. Um, or maybe, well, cause this is, the, this is the period of his life where he owed like $240 million or something like that. Right. Yeah. And he's just taking like these have got to be pretty big p- paychecks. Probably. I mean, what's the what's the what's the budget on knowing? Uh, let me see. Oh my god, seven hundred million dollars. No, fifty million dollars. So Nick Cage probably got about five million. Yeah. Probably um, got five million for all of these. Probably got five million for next. He probably got ten for Ghost Rider. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just paying off stuff, right? This is this is the point in his life where he is having financial troubles and But each and it's uh, like each one of these films and I'm sorry for making it about four films and not just one. Yeah, no, um, you're fine. Each one of these films he does really good work in it. <laughs> like he's in knowing he's just completely the straight man, right? Like he's just right. like He's just playing the kind of boring hero, the scientific mind. But there are lots of really good moments, you know? Yeah. Like, um, he does carry a film that is worse than him as a, as a, as a star. Right. Well, yeah, I was, I was, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to backtrack just a little bit because we were talking about Risk. Uh, Which is my favorite board game. Oh, uh, you know, The Mist was Darabont's last movie. Really? Yeah. But he directed a lot of uh, The Walking Dead, so he's been working. But I guess, like, he, getting movies made in Hollywood. He directed uh, one episode. But it was the pilot, so he got paid for all of them. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, but, like, Gods of Egypt wasn't, like, it took seven years after knowing, and it was, like, a fucking flop, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure it was internationally funded. And I feel like almost the same thing that like he he just could have, he could have gone for broke on Grimm, but he didn't like, I guess like nobody likes religion in their fucking giant Hollywood epics. So the aliens starting a Noah's Ark is also disinfor. It's like, 
not disenfranchising it's like disarming that like people yeah ew ew yeah i just wanted the earth to be destroyed uh i saw day after tomorrow and that movie made me horny for climate change (laughs) but well and and and, yeah sorry sorry and to then kind of jump back to you know him playing the straight guy and having some good moments. I mean, there are, there are good moments in knowing there's a lot of good moments. in knowing. That plane, that plane sequence. um, Oh yeah, absolutely. Where the plane crashes and he has to like survive it. Yeah. He has to like survive. And then like the other, the other people, I mean, all the disaster disaster sequences are pretty, are like really gruesome and entertaining and like, Mm -hmm. haven't really seen them before, you know? I agree. Um, And they're done technically interesting you know especially for 2009 where they didn't really have you know the technology to do really really impressive stuff it was pretty impressive the final disaster where the world ends is quite beautiful looking yeah it's nice like the fire taking across boston and then manhattan and then keep on going is just like really fucking affecting yeah yeah and and there's some good stuff and like when it shows the earth from like you know, space and there's like the flare surrounding earth and all that stuff. It's nice. It's like really cool stuff. It's good stuff. And I feel I, like, I think yeah. even like the numerology shit is playful. Yeah. I think I wish that like it had been a little bit less decipherable. It's so obvious. And yeah. I think even I was like, duh, dude, it's coordinates. <laughs> the, the piece of the, the thing he didn't know. Um, maybe that's from seeing the trailer 11 years ago. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just knowing how movies work. I feel like I haven't seen the Jim Carrey number 23, but I feel like that does like a lot more crazy shit with numerology as opposed to like, here's a literal map. Right. Um, And I think that like, that was the craze then like Da Vinci code had a lot of that shit. Right. Um, And number 23 is probably around the same time, maybe a little bit earlier. So I like get what they're doing with it, but you know, it is an interesting concept, right? Predict every natural disaster, especially eight years after 9-11 where it's still on everybody's mind. You just kind yeah. of key off with 9-11 and then yeah. you go from there. Yeah. I think that's interesting to like go, okay, we're, we're doing 9-11 and then, oh, if 9-11's here, then it must be all this other stuff. The fact uh, that his wife died in one of the things. Yeah. That it was like meant to happen. It was, you know, and also like I watched Knowing and I was kind of like, what the fuck is Rose Byrne doing, right? Like <laughs> this is before she's... Um, pre-properly famous. I think it's pre-bridesmaids. It's got to be pre-bridesmaids. It is. It totally is. Um, maybe, she's in 28 weeks later? Yes. 28 Whatever. weeks later. I think this is before Rose Byrne really cracked, you know? Yeah, right. And she's playing like such a dark and broken woman and it's like, I don't mean this to sound like sexist but it might for a second it's like okay. the least it's the least attractive rose burns ever been to me i think in every other movie i'm like oh she's so like cute right you're right and i think that like she's playing against that you know she's playing like fucking severely traumatized sure yeah uh, and i loved that they weren't like coupling up yeah <laughs> especially after watching next where he's banging jessica beale who's nine years younger than him yeah have rose burn just like be a character, <laughs> a sexual foil for him. It was kind of endearing. I, l- I like movies that are like that, where uh, the ma- a male character and female character or two characters can interact 
without having some kind of love develop between them in this situation. It's like, why can't that happen? It's like, I'll tell you what, if I'm facing the end of the world, I ain't going to be interested in someone. I'm going to be like, let me get, you know, um, which speaking of, speaking of, you know, the mist, you know, in the book, the, the, the female character that the main character sort of, you know, Thomas Jane's character befriends and they, you know, work together they in the book they have a moment and they fall they fall in love and they have sex and like the uh, one of the offices or something like that but like in the movie they didn't do that they were just people that work together you know you can kind of um, sense it and you can kind of sense it in the movie of the mist right you can sense that there's some affection there right that like by the end when the four of them are escaping it feels like a new family bond is formed a little bit and, yeah and maybe that's just because Darabont is a better director of like actors than yeah. than uh, Alex Prius is but that moment with with like Nick Cage and Rose Byrne and the two kids it doesn't really feel like a family unit it doesn't really feel like like there is a bond of love between them no um and Cage is a way better actor than Thomas Jane yeah you know, like, dude's fucking good. Yes. What What did the guy who... Okay, okay, here we go. The guy who directed um, Next, what did he direct? And it's all garbage, pretty much. I mean, The Edge. The Edge was pretty good. Uh, Long Came a Spider, Die Another Day, Triple X, State of the Union, and then Ooh. Next. Yeah, that's, well, uh, that's a know, rough speaking run. Speaking of... Speaking of the edge, you know, that's what I think most people would do when uh, faced with the end of the world. They just jack off. <laughs> <laughs> just edge it. Just edge. Um, I'm going uh, hey, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to edge until the fire consumes me. And that is my climax, my friend. <laughs> what a terrible movie that would be. Uh, Have I ever pitched you my end of the world movie? I know I've never pitched it to you on the podcast. No, but let's... So it's, it's like... It's it's like a straight parody of Armageddon, right? Okay. Like, um, it's like it's never played for laughs, right? Um, uh, but it's like basically the same same concept of like uh, space team has to go to stop the asteroid. Um, they don't do it with like drilling. It's a, it's a little bit more of like a basic way, right? Yeah. And um, and uh, there's like an asteroid coming to destroy the Earth, and there's like there's like all the the Truman Show style footage where you cut around people watching it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, the asteroid hits the Earth, mm-hmm. just like the sun flares do in Knowing. Yeah. And people are like shaken, like an earthquake, but like a like a like a four point And then they're yeah. just like, whoa. <laughs> And that's the end. And it's like, it's just advertised like as like a giant, like spectacle blockbuster. Like the trailer would have like fake footage that doesn't end up in the movie, like Avengers Endgame. And the asteroid hits, everyone's just like, oh, whoa. That was intense. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I think that would be as much of a misdirect as knowing has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which now I'm going to, I'm going to pitch you my misdirect that I've cool. been wanting that I, if I, if I won, you know, mega million lottery, you know, uh, and had, you know, $420 million at my disposal, I'd... 420! Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would put about $69 million into a, the most um, spectacle-inducing trailer you've ever seen. Five minutes of just, like, it's going to be the best movie. All these stars are in it. It's, it's just, you know it's going to be the best movie ever, Right. 
and then uh, release the movie, right? Say it's in theaters. We're only going to have it in theaters for two days, right? Two days and that's it. And I'm not going to make any money on this. I know I'm not going to make any money, right? And I don't care. Two days, right? So everyone's lining up around the block. We got to see this movie. Um, and then when they go into the movie and they sit down to watch it, it plays that trailer. And then for an hour and a half, it just like plays like some kid who just fell off a swing set crying and like trying to like fix his like wounded leg or something like that. And then like, I love it. that's it. So you can't get false advertising because all the stuff you see in the trailer is in the movie. You watch the trailer and then the rest of the movie is just like, or it's like a, a decomposing rat or like some kid who like can, eat, drinks a bunch of milk and like gets sick. And, can, can I, can I, uh, can I offer like a note? Yeah. Can the trailer be playing on a TV and it pulls out of that TV? Yeah. And that's where the other 85 minutes of the movie happens. It's just in that, like in that living room. Yeah. But what, <laughs> what plays out in that living room is really mundane, but also yeah. like weird. Yeah. Rat decomposing or yeah. A, a child napping. Yeah. Well, if we have uh, all of our Hollywood listeners, um, both those projects are available to be funded and they are uh, protected by the Screenwriters Guild of America. We've mailed the screenplays to ourselves. Yes. <laughs> um, so you can't I actually have them. a WGA uh, West registry on my uh, fake movie. Do you know what WGA stands for? Um, Writing good advertisements. Oh, okay. Writing good anus. Anal. Okay. Ringing great anal. Um, so, are you a fan? Or do you like Dark City? I mean, I did when I was 12. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have this inkling that it does hold up, but after watching The Crow, which does fucking not hold up. Oh, yeah, I know. Is that price? No. Yeah. No. Yes. The Crow? The Crow was was his big claim to fame. That's what he broke out with? Yeah. Well, The Crow is straight up bad. Yeah. Uh, It is, like, horrendously made, and maybe that is because fucking Brandon Lee died. Um, I mean, you know, you're talking about it. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 83 and 90%. So. Yeah, but, like. That's that's, a cult following. But that's, like, of the time. Yeah. I feel like it aged horrendously yeah, yeah, yeah uh it is like it is rough 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 filmmaking <laughs> then again yeah. a lot of it is compensating for fucking brandon lee dying right which was a hit i hope you know that uh q uh rules alex jones uh turn the uh, stop uh, it um uh, not even funny um hang on uh, hang on just um, one second i'm gonna pause this I just don't want you to bring up QAnon ever again, okay? Thanks. I don't. I won't do it ever. I won't do the pod anymore. I do not know what you are talking about, Tex. <laughs> I've never brought up QAnon. My mind what? was completely erased during that small break. Oh, I okay. do not believe that there is a uh, Chuck E. Cheese-style pedophile ring. Jeez. Where... Okay. <laughs> I do have no belief in the fact that Will Ferrell drinks the blood of children. Uh, this is not a fundamental thing that I believe. And uh, whatever you say, Master Tex. Well, 
Froyus made a movie previous to uh, uh, The Crow called Spirits of the Air, Gremlins of the Clouds. Ooh, that uh, sounds good. It's, uh, he made it for like, it's a, it's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi adventure film he made for uh, very little money. Uh, yeah, and, and apparently it's like weird. And it's it's like, distributed by MMA Films, so you know that all the tap-out bros love it. Yeah, right. I mean, look at it. It looks great. The poster for Spirits of the Air, Gremlins of the Crowd Clouds is next level. What I'm going to be honest, people. Yeah. So. Um. So let's talk about Dark City, right? Which is a film that we might cover on this podcast one day. I feel like we probably should. Right. Um. It fits in the postmodern and the surreal and the psychedelic, probably more so than knowing. Knowing, but knowing is very surreal. Um. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, how do you feel about Dark City? Do you think that it's good? Do you think it holds up? Or am I just... I... <coughs> there was a period of time... Oh, hold on, QAnon! <coughs> oh, my God. There was a there was a period of time where I um, I tried watching it, like, multiple times, and I, I thought it was so boring in the beginning, and I, like, did not enjoy it for the longest time. And then one, I, I finally sat through and watched it and finished it, uh, and like the turn and all that stuff really entertained me, but I think I only watched it maybe one time all the way through. And I just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Well, it's like knowing feels to me like Proyas is Shyamalaning. A little bit. Yeah. Because right? he like did dark city has a turn and it's like an effective turn. It does work. Yeah. Uh, and then um, knowing is like, Almost like the turn in the happening. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, this is so dumb, dude. You cannot make a $70 million turn. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, well, he made he made iRobot in between those two movies. Yeah, but he didn't uh, write it or produce it. Which the other ones were him writing? No, was, no, he didn't write, he didn't write knowing. He produced it though, so I think he had more control. Yeah, uh, iRobot feels like a kind of hired hired gig. Um, I mean, but it's like it, it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not great, but it's entertaining. If anyone's better than Nicolas Cage, it is um, Will Smith. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's the truth, though, right? But I think if you put Will Smith in your movie, you're guaranteed to get, you know a hit except well, this, you know his most recent stuff this movie's also produced by um escape artists the movie that produced weatherman and um, uh-huh yeah and i feel like uh it is just like a contractual thing with like nick cage at this point they're just like we like him he does good stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. um i think there's another one too that i'm just kind of like glancing over maybe not maybe it's just those two um but uh, this is the end of this is the end of looking to Nick Cage to open, right? Like at, after this, and I think we'll really touch on it with our next episode is like Nick Cage flourishes in the same year. Like Bad Lieutenant Protocol New Orleans, we'll get into it next week, but it is without a doubt one of my favorite Nick Cage performances. Maybe my favorite Nick Cage performance. Okay. Um, and he he really leans in on what makes him like um in that movie specifically, but he leans in on what makes him like engaging as an actor. But it's not just that movie, right? He also then makes 
kick-ass, right? Uh-huh. He makes Drive angry, which is aware of how um, of how cheesy of an action film it, it is, right? Of how uh, bad it is. Of how bad it is, right? Like it's it, that's yeah. like the bit that it's going for, you know? Right. He does stuff like Army of One, which we're also going to c- cover, and Mom and Dad, and um, he and Mandy, right? And clearly, uh-huh. clearly, Mandy also like his role in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like he becomes aware of his, of what he can bring to it. Yeah. And he's maybe he's paid off his debt. So he's not at a point he stops like needing to make blockbusters. Also, maybe there are lots of post blockbusters that we just don't know because they stopped getting released in the same way. Like, I don't know what the fucking humanity bureau is, or I don't know what uh, love and Tasha is, or, I mean, that's that, that one doesn't count. I don't think, or kill chain, or primal or jujitsu, right? Like primal. Now, now I've heard good things about primal. Sure, uh, but they all feel post blockbuster. Still, they all feel like he's still trying to make blockbusters. They just have a different like release. The, the blockbusters that exist now, right? You get, you literally get, like, three to four quality blockbusters a year now because of the way that studios yeah they are avengers endgame wonder woman 1984 <laughs> um greener grass and uh how to lose a guy in 10 days right right so there 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 are these very very limited very uh like Studio produced, studio put out blockbusters, right? We don't get it. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a blockbuster that was put out in 2018. What are the other movies of 2018? Uh, top grossing movies of 2018. Mandy, Between Worlds, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Where he gets to uh, play Superman. Uh, top grossing movies, 2018. Let's check this out. They are Avengers, Infinity War, Black Panther, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. What was the last one? Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Oh. Aquaman, Incredibles 2, Bohemian Rhapsody, Venom, Mission Impossible, Deadpool 2, and Fantastic Beasts. So So those are all IP. Yeah. And those are the biggest movies of that year. Um, Spider-Man isn't even on here. Yeah, because it was like a sleeper blockbuster. They didn't really expect it. Right. Um, so, uh, oh, action here. has just become a direct to VOD market, probably because of international, right? So it's like, I don't know if two one one is good. I don't know if Primal's good. I don't know if um, uh, Frozen Ground is good. And I think that like I'm <laughs> laughing at this era of his career because. I watched all four of these movies and guess what? They were all fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> like even the bad ones. Next was terrible, but he was great. Ghost Rider, he was like pitch perfect at what you should be doing in a superhero movie, right? Sure. Like it's yeah. just bad around him. Sorcerer's Apprentice was a fucking blast. Um, and I feel like that's what I'm, I've got obsessed with this like post blockbuster moment, right? And I'm almost now, obsessed with watching the rest of them like i really want to know about rage or dying of the light which is fucking paul schrader or fucking i know pay the ghost is trash but i'm like i'm obsessed i need to watch uss indianapolis men of courage Uh yeah yeah um 
But a part of knowing doesn't really feel like that, though. There's a part of knowing that feels like, and the part that I enjoy with it, right? The, like the blockbuster into the world things, they're entertaining. But the, like, I feel like the solving of the mystery is the, is the most entertaining part of knowing for me. And it failed on that, right? It <laughs> yeah. was like you were saying, it was like so easy to figure it out. It was like, hello. Um, yeah, I just, I think that this is like, I think it was a movie that, that didn't lean hard enough into what it could have been. And that's why it's kind of like, yeah, it's okay. Well, I don't, I guess I don't really know the difference between like hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi, but this feels like maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know what hard sci-fi means. So I'm not, I'm not. It, so you know I mean? yeah, hard science fiction is um, like, uh, things that are very scientifically accurate. Like those like space opera ones that are like, that take like actual science fact and put them into a science fictional category, like The Martian. Uh, or Solaris. Or... The Martian with Matt Damon. That is a hard science fiction because everything that happens in that movie is factual. Uh, Gravity with uh, Sandra Bullock is hard sci-fi, right? Even though it's not really sci-fi, it's more uh, space-based thriller, but it's still got some sci-fi things in there, right? Uh, so scientifically accurate, even yeah. if that's like not way out there. Yeah, even if it's way out there, it's still scientifically like kind of accurate. And I think right. that like that's almost where this movie fails because it's trying to be that. It's trying to be like accurate science fiction, but then it's like, nope, aliens are angels. Yeah, right, right. And it's like if you're gonna lean into that, then you just need to go like one way or the other right the you put those almost two boring yeah yeah it is it is boring it's boring it's not like there's nothing really that like the re rewatch value on it is very very low it was it was i saw it when it first came out in theaters <laughs> i rented it a few years later and then i saw it now for this and i was like oh i remember this movie and i don't really care now because the rewatch value is... It was also of, okay. And I feel like that's yeah. probably him. Nick Cage? Maybe it's like, maybe we're just obsessed and we can't see through the, the, the weeds. No. He, 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 that's why I watch it. That's why I watched it. That's why I finished it. Because I was, I was watching Nick Cage do his thing. And I was, Nick Cage I, lights, up, lights up a goddamn room. I, I wanted to watch how his... Even though I knew how it ended, I wanted to watch his journey all the way through. And I think that that scene where he's like hugging his family at the end of the world is great. Very affecting. Amazing. Yeah, it's very good. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, next week we're going to watch a movie where his performance is off the fucking rails. So we'll have really captured the dichotomy of the, Nick, the, 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 the two versions of Nicolas Cage, right? Mm -hmm. There will be kind of restrained every man Nicolas Cage and then there will be pure batshit insanity. Yeah. I think any movie, uh, you know, and to kind of go into what we talk about in this podcast, God damn it. I swear to God, I can't stop yawning. Uh, when we, when is we it go me? This, no, it's, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm tired today. Um, I, I think 
you know, what we talk about is the surreal. There's no psychedelicness in this movie, but I mean, except for like the 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 spaceship is pretty spaceship. Yeah, it's pretty psychedelic. Yeah, I would say, and the the planet that they land on. Yeah, um, but like surrealness and and postmodern is definitely here. You know, sure. uh, learning about you know taking natural disasters and moving working them into a plot to where it's not just a like 9-11 isn't just a disaster that we have. It is now a plot device in this movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, my God. Of the screenwriter for this film. That's, yeah, it, sure. It was an inside plot device. It was a plot device, yeah, which it becomes, like, a different thing, right? It's not It's not legitimate. It, like, delegitimizes it. And surreal, you know, I think surreal is whenever you're dealing with the end of the world, you know? You, yeah, I mean, like, it's... <laughs> and that's it's biblical in its own right right it's like this like out there concept of oh you, we get to watch ourselves die yeah right? like i i in 2009 i had just left boston and there's boston burning burning to the ground um and that's very surreal to accurately watch your city just fucking get destroyed it's also surreal that someone could pull this fucking number out of their ass um and it's surreal to be to believe that Nick Cage can be a professor at Harvard, MIT, MIT. Same difference. I think that that's even. I think that that's even worse. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this film is definitely postmodern. It's it is a straight adaptation of Don DeLillo's White Noise. <laughs> yeah, I, especially the airborne toxic event is a little bit more extreme in this version, but you know. Uh, do you know what I realized yesterday? What? That uh, Cabin Boy is a adaptation of, Uly- of Ulysses. Or the Iliad. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I still haven't finished my run of Don DeLillo books. I have three left. Which three? Uh, uh, Ratner Star. Brad um, Ratner Star. Yeah, he's canceled. <laughs> uh, Americana. Yeah, America, no, I have four left. America, Americana's number one filmmaker, Brett Ratner. Go on. I have four left. Ratner star, Americana, Endzone, and Great Jones Street. Endzone, yeah. Left. Brett Ratner does direct the NFL. And what was the fourth one? Uh, Great Jones Street. Yeah, I don't got any joke for that. <laughs> uh, for, the, for the listeners at home, uh, uh, Tex has been uh, live streaming a reading of every single Don DeLillo book. He started with Underworld. He's been doing it every weekend on his Not Twitch. True. You can follow along at on Twitter at That Squeaky Pig. If you want to see what I'm all about, you should check out my Twitter. It's uh, at www.kurtcom. And uh, in the meantime, y'all go buy Tom's book, bookshop.org slash hecktexas. Yeah. And this Buy has been it. us. This is Mumbo Jumbo. And don't judge me and don't get mad at me for it, okay? Uh, don't, like, you know, put your expectations on on the book, okay? It's just, you read it. It's whatever. Yeah, I rip stuff off. Who cares? I mean, Everyone honestly, does. Honestly, if you've made it this far into our podcast and you still like us, you're going to like the book. Maybe. Maybe. We rip stuff off on this podcast all the time. Yeah. Look, like, um, like we keep on quoting Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Uh-huh. Get to the chopper. What else and that'll do, you know? do it for this week. What else do you know? No, huh? I keep doing it. What? Uh, m- your dad is a gynecologist. Cookies?
Who said you could eat my cookies? Yeah, who said you could eat my sesame cakes? Stop <laughs> eating my sesame cakes. Okay, this has been us, uh, your you mumbo doing in my jumbo country, you buddies. Shit. Please go out there and save a cat this weekend. Yep, and have a wonderful and, and be safe. It's th- it's Thanksgiving Day. Uh, we are recording this on Thanksgiving Day. I think we should probably go back to our partners. Okay. And, and need right. a little bit more tryptophan. Yeah, that's why I'm yawning. Yeah. Okay. Bye.